0: I'm Bianca Vivione and this is Ask Viv. So welcome to episode eight. I'm excited about this episode. It's a very special episode because it's our love edition. Platonic love, self-love, romance, sex, friendship, etc. We're talking about it all today. Which is an exciting but also scary thing because love is not easy to talk about. There's never really any straightforward answers. I mean, it's the driving force. It's the only real meaningful thing in life is our ability and our willingness to love. And so I think that's why it's taken me so long to even record this episode because I've been... Trying to fruitfully examine the love that I have in my own life, but also to reflect on love that I've had and love that I've lost, and and the ways that love has changed me, and perhaps the love that I've given or withheld has changed others. And in that reflection, hopefully, I found something worthy to share with you all today. So, with that being said, I'm going to get right into my thoughts for the week. And this week, I've been thinking a lot about love and sacrifice. And I've been thinking a lot about love and sacrifice because I often say that the most urgent and critical journey of every young woman's life is to understand what love is and what love is not. And I say every young woman because women have a tendency to sacrifice so much in their pursuit of love and women in a lot of ways can extend themselves, bend and break themselves for love and kind of chop it up to all being natural caregivers or womanhood being a state where you naturally give something for nothing. I just don't believe it. And I think that it scares me because I've watched so many women in my own life, whether it be my mother or grandmother or aunts or teachers or role models or heroes or just women that I like in culture, give so much to men and not even notice until it was too late to give back all that they had given away. And so much of that sacrifice involves just giving time and wondering if you can really get that back. And so I'm thinking about my own life and my own love and how in romance I'm constantly struggling to try to define the line between unconditional love and conditional and limited sacrifice. And it's difficult because we're coming into a culture where there are two competing narratives, sort of an old world and a new world. In the old world where you chase love, wherever it goes and you sacrifice no matter what usually for a man and you pour yourself into love because romantic love is seen as the highest attainable good and then you have this newer narrative that is basically saying don't sacrifice anything in fact compromise as little as possible because it's in compromise that little by little women tend to lose themselves completely and I think that it scares me because there's women that I see around me in all different sorts of relationships young women who have already begun to get accustomed to sacrificing for men in ways that I know that they're going to regret and it's not compromise like oh I'm going to quit my job to raise a family it's much more subtle things like I'm going to change slightly the things that I believe or accommodate for things that I shouldn't have to accomplish accommodate for or I'm going to demand less than I deserve. And you just have to wonder how much of it is just a consequence of the struggle and sacrifice that romance demands and how much of it is bred by a culture that demands that women be bottomless vessels for unconditional love. And I'm looking back at my young life so far and thinking about how there are times when I've walked away from good love because I felt like I was compromising too much of myself, but also thinking sometimes you miss that love and yet knowing that it was worth it. I'm thinking that if you really want to keep good love, if you want to keep good heterosexual love, then you probably... I'm now realizing have to demand that men sacrifice more than you. And it's because I'm looking at these lives of women, lives who, if they haven't gone to the complete wayside, have been so deterred just by interacting romantically with men that I'm finally realizing, and this is not going to be uncontroversial, men are a risk. They are a huge risk. When I think about how I was watching... Whitney Houston documentary and how Whitney Houston was a literal godsend of a singer. And then she met Bobby Brown. And Bobby Brown enabled a drug addiction, separated her from her best friend and lover that she had had her entire life, cheated on her, devastated her, broke her heart, and basically led her to her own death single-handedly, and then now takes very little accountability for it. And even thinking about I, Tonya, the movie that just came out, how Tanya Harding was this amazing figure skater who managed To pull herself out of an abusive emotional past, to become champion of figure skating only to be completely deterred by her ex-husband who is extremely abusive and just obsessive over her is something that is so scary to me because with great women who exhibit so much drive and who will move heaven and earth to be the people that they need to be in the world, it only takes a single man to completely deter and quite literally ruin their destinies. And so if we as women don't begin to view men as a risk, and not necessarily in a pejorative, but understanding that that risk must be Calculated, And when you engage with men in a serious romantic fashion, to think of it inherently as a sacrifice and to not tread lightly for the sake of pleasure and to not ever feel stuck because of what you feel is your commitment to that romance and to always choose yourself because we have watched too many of our mothers and aunts and teachers lose the potential for who they could have been simply by intersecting at any given point in their young lives with a man. And this sounds anti-men, and it's so funny because when I first started, I didn't think that's where this was going. But I'm really, truly understanding that the heart can really cloud judgment. And women specifically, I'm talking to you, consider the men around you, both lovers and friends, because they are a risk and if they are worth the risk you better know and you better know with everything in you you better know and when and when you are pregnant by a man you better know the type of father that he's going to be and if you're committed to a man you better know his cleaning habits you better know his health habits you better take note if he asks you about your day every single day and you need to know if he's praying for you because the era of casually interacting With men, only to find that you have sacrificed everything before you even get an awareness of it is over. I hate to use the phrase, but time's up. Time's up on that. Years can go by, quite literally, years can go by without us understanding just how much we've given away. And it seems like the only way to fix this inherent power imbalance between unconditional love and limited sacrifice is to raise your standards so high for the quality of love that you want to receive that only people who are so committed to not just being but becoming that person will even dare intersect with your destiny. Because to find a man that ties up your dreams with his own and your destiny with his own and your spiritual goodness with his own is one that if you invest your time and your love into him would never be a sacrifice and would never be a loss because it will always show its value very clearly. And I mean this when I say lovers and friends, because even thinking about the amount of men that I had casually let into my life as friends only for them to come metaphorically into my house and knock everything over was a lesson I learned the hard way and I'm thinking now so deeply about love and sacrifice and just wanting all of the young women who listen to me to know don't touch a stove to believe that it's hot see men who show you no love see men who aren't willing to go the entire extra mile to be with you in the ways that you need them to be with you and there for you and run so fast in the other direction that the only part left that he will have to love of yours is the memory of your presence and that's my thoughts for the week And with that being said, I'm going to get right into my questions for the week because, you know, that's my favorite part. Dear Viv, how do I go about finding a potential man in the city? Where do I go and how do I go about it? Well, my first advice, and you're not going to like this, is never go looking for a man. And I know that that sounds like a cliche, but I honestly think of the time that I was quote unquote dating and where every guy that I would see on the train and in the cafe and on the street, I would think of him as a potential suitor. And I went on so many terrible dates because the worst place to meet a man isn't through some casual interaction. You meet the strangest men, especially in New York City. I mean, when I say strange, I mean strange. So don't go looking for a man because they'll definitely find you, oftentimes to your own dismay. But I would say hang out in places that you like the people that hang out there. I met my current boyfriend in the pizza shop that he owns. So funny because I just realized that this is an episode about romance and so I'm probably going to have to go into some comments on my own romantic life, but I met him while I was on a date with somebody who I had met casually who ended up being, and excuse my French, fucking crazy. This Dominican guy that I was on a date with, he took me on a date to this pizza shop where I met my current boyfriend and at the time obviously I didn't think oh this is going to be somebody I even go out on a date with we had a conversation about and I love telling this story about the wood grain on the walls of his pizza shop because I'm really into interior design and there's this old wood grain design in the pizza shop and I say wow these are amazing wood grain walls and he looks at me and he said yeah these walls took us months to pick out and I'm thinking in my mind what does this nigga know about wood grain walls because he's just some ghetto Puerto Rican looking kid? And and the guy I'm on a date with comes over to me and says, "Oh, you met my friend. He owns this pizza shop." And in the back of my mind, I'm kind of registering, "Oh, a large." He owns this pizza shop. And so, yeah, it was a very casual interaction. And he ended up later hitting me up on Instagram just to chill, you know, hang out as friends. And so I think that if you don't go looking for a man in the city, it's where you're most likely to find them. My boyfriend before that years ago, I had met in a sneaker store when I was with my sister and I was just going to look at shoes. And lo and behold, we went on our first date the next week the day before thanksgiving and ended up being together for a year so yeah i would say the best thing is to mind your own business hang out in the places that you always like to hang out in regardless the places that just cultivate the kind of culture that you want to be in and you will find not only potential lovers but honestly very good friends speaking of which dear viv who are quote unquote friends to you and what do they offer you as a friend Well, to be quite honest, if I do say so myself, I have a very high standard for friendship because as I was saying earlier, at one point, friendship to me, all that was qualified is that you be a good person who was kind or who made me laugh or we shared the same interests. And that's cool for like the seventh grade. But when you're an adult who's pursuing dreams and struggling through financial hardship and becoming a person in the world, You need friends who are deeply invested in your destiny. I could say right now that all of the people, the few people that I consider my friends, are invested in the person that I become. Meaning that they wouldn't feel fully accomplished in their life if they didn't know that I was also pursuing my dreams. And you need people like that because it weeds out, first of all, the jealous people. Because you can't be friends with people who want your life. And second of all, it helps you to maintain a group of people who will will never watch you fail because too many people have quote-unquote friends that they're surrounded by who are not actually invested in the person that they become and those are the people that when you're doing well will flock around you congratulate you go to your art show ask to be put on the list to go to your concert but they won't retweet your soundcloud link and they won't sit with you while you're trying to finish a painting in your studio until 3 a.m because they're not invested in the person that you become and it couldn't matter less to them because it's all about what they can extract from you. And my friends are not takers. My friends are givers. And it's very interesting for me because I was one of those people that for the longest time I chose friends based on who I wanted to pour into because I'm a naturally giving person. And I always found myself so drained. And so I created a standard of friendship where my friends are actually more giving than me. And it's kind of crazy to me because when I think about the amount that my friends pour into me and give me quite literally whatever I need, whenever I need it, but it's because I started to demand that standard of friendship. Me and my friends is a constant exchange of love and tabs are never kept on it. I never think, oh, you did such and such for me and I owe you such and such we don't really work on that basis it's a constant flowing exchange of love and giving and taking freely because we are all very much invested in who one another becomes when I think about one of my closest friends who's like a younger sister to me Amani she's going to become an astronaut and she's like this amazing young black girl physicist and I think about all the time constantly every time I see her like What can I do to make sure that this girl becomes an astronaut? And it sounds funny, but I'm being completely serious because that's the length of my willingness to go in friendship because when I'm somebody's friend, it's not only unconditional, but I view it as perpetual. If you're my friend, unless something seriously goes awry, you're going to be my friend forever. So I keep very, very few friends so that I know I feel secure in knowing that these are the people that are going to hold me down. Dear Viv, what is your stance on gay marriage? I've always thought this is such a crazy thing to have a stance on because for me, even as a child, just knowing that gay people existed, I always thought that they had been allowed to get married. So when I came like into adolescence and realized that it was illegal, it seemed like such a barbarian thing. But I think that even more so as I got older and I got more friends, who are in the LGBTQ community, I realized just, especially because a lot of them are black or people of color, how low on their radar gay marriage was as an issue. Because essentially marriage is something that is about protecting capital and it's about having access to a certain institution and certain tax cuts, let's be honest with the actual institution of marriage is, and how of course gay people should be allowed to have access to that financial security. But so many gay people and people of color in the LGBTQ community are dealing with issues of health insecurity and financial insecurity that go to the wayside because this very let's be honest white issue of quote-unquote gay marriage has been pushed to the forefront of lgbtq issues and not things like the death of black trans women which has been on the rise over the last decade or the crisis of hiv that is still rampant in the black gay community in particular And so I think that when we talk about gay marriage, we should obviously talk about it as an inherent right of any two people that choose to get married. But we also should understand that gay marriage has been used to distract from or diminish more pressing and urgent issues in the LGBTQ community and that we should uplift the voices of marginalized people in those communities who are choosing which issues actually are pressing, which is absolutely not gay marriage because obviously marriage is something that no matter what your sexual orientation or gender identity is, is something that is allotted to secure people dear Viv I am almost 21 years old and I've never been in an official romantic relationship I know that we've been forced into thinking that we need a romantic partner and I am mainly fulfilled with my life and who I am as a person but I can't help but think that not having been in a relationship has set me back in life what are your thoughts on this I would say the complete opposite. I would say that you're doing great. I was somebody who was allowed because of who my mother is and the way that my household was set up to explore romance and sexuality at an early age. I might even pause it too early. And so I actually spent a lot of the time when I entered college and into my 20s trying to undo the confusion that ensued from all of the misconceptions I had towards love and sex that I developed at 15 and 16 and 17 years old. And that's not to say that that's my mother's fault because I'm actually a lot better for it in the fact that at such a young age right now I can give you advice about this, but I'm telling you that you're not at a loss. The thing about romance is that when you're on the outside of it looking in, it seems like the most fabulous, highest good, but it is inherently a distraction. I think about the amount of time I spent quite honestly distracted by. By boys and it was something that I should have listened to all of my southern church grandmas and all of the people who were like don't get distracted by boys but I got distracted by boys and not for one month or two months but quite literally for four or five years I think that my life narrative was being told through the men that I dated and so if you get a sense of self and have a story to tell about yourself and come of age without romance you should be very very proud because two many women, because they engage with romance at such an early age, it ends up informing the rest of their life, which was what the entire first half of this podcast was about. I know so many girls, especially growing up in the hood, I knew so many girls that in my classes were pregnant as teenagers and it's not to shame teenage mothers but it's that I know that they were so invested in the relationships that they had with those boys and I see those girls now when I go home to my hoods and I see that the guy that they were once battling for attention for they're now battling for child support and it's just a constant struggle with men so like I said men are a risk calculate that risk very well there will always be love waiting and if you want to seek love and put that out in the world that you want a romantic relationship then do that but if you're just doing it for the sake of feeling like you're missing out even though you're completely fulfilled in other parts of your life I would just honestly say get another hobby because men are not just a hobby they're a labor. Dear Viv what are your opinions on skateboarders and would you ever date a skateboarder if the interest was mutual? Um that's such a specific question but I do think that it's interesting because I don't really categorize people as skateboarder, chef, rapper, or actually no, rappers are a very specific category of people of wh- whom I would never ever ever have any romantic relationship with, put that right on the record, seal it, put it in a museum. But other than that, I would say if I had a mutual interest in somebody, of course I would pursue them. That's just what would make sense. But I do think an interesting part of your question is a lot of people go into relationships with people that they perceive to be some kind of way because of a label, like, oh, I'm going to date a fashion. Model, or you know, for me, it was oh, I'm gonna date a business owner, a restaurateur, and it's so funny because when you're actually in a relationship, that title matters not at all, and you can't date people's occupation, and you also can't date people's hobbies. And I think that people try to sustain relationships based on common interests or based on occupations, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for even the slightest period of time. It's kind of why musicians always have these very toxic love affairs because they try to build relationships off of a love of music, and it's just not enough. And you actually need investment in people's humanity and qualities that have absolutely nothing to do with what the person does on a day-to-day basis. So sure, I would date a skin skateboarder, line cook, Uber driver, doesn't really matter as long as you're not a rapper. And finally, dear Viv, do you think that love is supposed to hurt on a certain level? I've never been in love, but I see it around me and it looks as if it does, which kind of scares me love is not supposed to hurt inherently and if love is constantly hurting and pain seems inherent to a relationship then it's most likely an abusive relationship and you should try as hard as possible to extract yourself from that relationship but love is a struggle love involves a lot of pain in the same way that working out involves a lot of pain that at first you're weak and then you begin to lift weights and the way that you build strength and muscle is by tearing your muscles so that they have to rebuild themselves. I would say that that's an apt metaphor for how love works. Love is quite literally a growing up, and as much as it hurts to go from being a girl to a woman, which is quite a bit, and yet as fulfilling and full as that process is, that's what it feels like to love. I think that it's kind of funny that you asked that because I remember being 13 years old and I asked my mom, does sex hurt? And my mom said, no sex is not supposed to hurt. But then she kind of had this weird look on her face like, well I guess sex does kind of hurt. And it was interesting because it's one of those things that until you try it, you really can't explain it. It is actually a pain that you learn to desire and I think that those sex and love should never ever be equated on any level that yes there is an inherent amount of pain that you learn to desire because with love you get access to at first these surface level romantic gestures and these surface level feelings and you get to know these surface level facts about people like what they do or what their interests are and then all of a sudden you find yourself desiring to know more you want to know this person's relationship with their parents and the type of home that they come from, and their dreams, and the things that scare them, and the things that have hurt them in their life, and it becomes an endeavor that you honestly know is going to be painful, because people are these full creatures with a lot of pain, and yet you want to take that on, because it's a thrill, and it's what makes love a worthy process, and so sure, love hurts, but it's the best kind of pain there is, I can tell you that, and it's something that even when you're in it, you rather take on the meaningful hurt of a good love than to take on the surface level pleasure of a mediocre love. So that's all the time that we have for today. I'm honestly a little devastated. That might have been truly the best episode that we've ever had and I think because I love talking about love I could really talk about it all day forever it's the thing that I know the least about to be quite honest because it's something that I don't even think that people should be qualified to talk about until they're 75 like even my mother should not yet be qualified to talk about love because it's in the fullness of our lives that we truly understand the extent to which love can save and redeem us and I think that for me I'm just musing on it because I'm finding out every single day just how deep love goes this has been nothing but an honor if you've made it this far into the episode I thank you immensely make sure you submit your questions to episode 9 we're almost there to 10 happy black history month more life more love more love I'm Bianca vivianne and this is Ask Viv I wanna know your name man I wanna know if you got a man I wanna know I wanna know everything I wanna know your number, and if I can come over, and I wanna know what you like. I wanna know so I can do it all night. But you're telling me I'm just a friend. You're telling me I'm just a friend. Oh, maybe you oh baby, you got what, I need. got what I need. But you say I'm just a friend. Say